All right, let's turn to Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> and we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. as our reading, and then I'll be, I'll be looking at verses 3 through 5 as our sermon text. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is God's holy word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you speak to us, that you reveal to us uh, the way reality is. We pray, O Lord, that you'd impress that in our hearts and able to see it, whatever it may do to challenge us, um, whatever it may do to encourage us. We pray, O Lord, that you help us to see ourselves as we are, you as we are, the world as it is. And give us a vision of faith. Father, we thank you for each person here today. pray that you would bless them, you would speak to them, that you would give them the message that they need to hear. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to look at your word. Teach us now, we pray, for we are in need of your instruction, your light. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> this, this series that we're looking at, Romans 5, four sermons on, on hope. How can we have confidence for the future? And uh, so today we're going to kind of address a topic that in related, relation to hope that's very important, and that is uh, dealing with something that often makes us lose hope. And what is it that makes us lose hope? It's so often when bad things happen, when we experience suffering, when we have unwanted things or we don't get the things that we want. And what we should see is suffering is not only about pain in the present, it is also about fear of the future, because we see that because bad things are happening now, then the expectation is, well, then they'll keep happening and the good things we hope for will not come to pass. You can take this an example of, the, of, of one of the, the worst tragedies that someone can experience is the death of a child. And the death of a child is obviously an extremely painful thing because you no longer have the presence of that child. And the loss of a child is, is one of the hardest things to go through. But it's not only because you don't have the presence of that child. It's also because a child informs the, your view of the future. Every parent expects to outlive their child. And when that child dies, there is a sense that now the future has been thrown off completely because now that child will not be there in that vision for the future that you have. Now, um, this passage tells us, though, in spite of our sufferings, that we have um, peace with God. And in verse 5, it says, We have been justified through faith, have been justified with faith. faith. By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And one of the questions that comes up is that if we have peace with God and God's okay with us, then why does sometimes he beat the tar out of us? Why does he bring people into our lives who are so hard to deal with? Why does he let people inflict on us so much pain from our youth on up? And we also see then, but one of the, one of the things we might say is, well, you know, yes, this is where we've been, but it's not where we're headed. And that's what he says in verse 2. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. That word for boast is, is a really expansive word. It, it could mean like that's what we rejoice in. That causes us to have optimism. It's what we have confidence in. It's what we're proud of. It's what makes us happy. It's a really broad word. And he says we boast in a hope. We, we can boast in the future. Those who've been justified by faith can boast in the future. And what's the future? It's the glory of God. Not here necessarily that we'll see the glory of God, though that's also part of our hope. But that God is going to transform us into something that is completely glorious. Humans are made to reflect the image of God, to be a reflection of his, of his glory. But sin kind of brought, shattered that reflection. And now God is restoring that so that we become again the type of people who reflect who God is. And so we're made into something glorious and wonderful. And so that's the hope that we have that wherever we are today, however much corruption or difficulties or bad habits or things that we've broken in, that that's not where we'll be in the future. That's our hope. But then he also says we have another hope uh, in verse 3. Or another thing in which we boast or have confidence for the future. It's the same word. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. So here's, the, here's what he's saying is that we have this confidence. We're looking towards the future. And what makes us happy? What makes us optimistic? We're going to suffer. So, amen. Let's close the end of the sermon. So now you know. Uh, it seems like something kind of ridiculous, right? The idea that, you know, if you're saying like, hey, what gives you some hope for the future? Well, then I'm going to suffer. It seems like kind of a crazy statement. But yet it's not. It's, you'll find it throughout the Bible. James, for example, says, My brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you suffer various trials and temptations. And then he explains why. But the amazing thing is that what, what people have experienced in terms of suffering sometimes leads them to despair, sometimes leads them to bitterness. But there's plenty of people who've testified that the suffering, though not desirable in and of itself, not something you would ask for, becomes something that actually helps us become something better so that we can see that in another respect, it was actually a good. And let me give you a few examples of people who said that. The first one I want to give you is a man named Seneca. Now, Seneca was not a believer. He was not a Christian. He, is, he was a... Uh, uh, one of the kind of upper class of Rome during the same century that Paul was writing. And he was uh, a philosopher, a teacher, involved in a lot of things. He uh, was involved in politics and so on. And he wrote, a, he wrote a very interesting essay, which I would recommend to you. It's called On Providence, so the God's government of the world. And basically, he's trying to say, how should we think about God's government of the world? It's about 15 pages, so it's, it's worth reading. But in essence, he says that, that with, when we're dealing with God, that what he does with the people that he favors 
is actually put them through the ringer so they'll become the best people they can be. Here's what he says. Let me assure you, he does not pamper a good man like a favorite slave. He puts him to the test, hardens him, and makes him ready for his service. And he says, he goes on to say, it's a father's heart that God shows to good men. He loves them in a manly way and says, let them know the pain of toil, of suffering, of loss, so that they may acquire true strength. What he is saying there is that the toils, the trials, the suffering that we experience are things that enable us to become the type of people we should become. And so in some ways he says, he says it's not really doesn't even matter that much what you endure. It's only how you endure it. Everybody's going to have trials. Everybody's going to have difficulties. What do you do with that? Do you go into despair, anger, bitterness? And, or do you let it become an opportunity for patience and strength that makes you become the person that God would want you to be? That's the message of Seneca's essay. Now, when you read that essay, you probably won't agree with every single line of it. Um, but you've got to think and ask yourself, if this guy who did not have the Bible, as far as we know, who did, who did not know about the gospel, as far as we know, was able to say, look on his sufferings and say, hey, you know, there's a real good in them that actually helps us become something better than we could without them. Then what about us who have the Bible and have the, know of the cross and the resurrection and the hope to come? Kind of like, it's a sort of essay to make, what's our problem? It's like, we have a lot better resources than he did, and he got this. But he's not the only person who got that. The, the writer of this letter, and remember that what we're talking about here, we're, we read a little passage and we take apart a little bit of it, is actually part of just a letter that uh, Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, really at raising support to go to Spain. So that was, that's what this letter is about. And uh, so he says, here's what I'm doing, here's what I preach, here's what I teach. But Paul was one who, when he says, you should rejoice or glory in your sufferings, he was one who knew what it was to suffer. He wrote this letter towards the end of his life. And he actually describes in another letter to the church in Corinth what that was like. And so I'm going to read at length what he describes. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Here's what Paul suffered. He said, Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged, that is whipped, more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn. So, 
probably a, a experience very similar to what most of us have experienced, right? <laughs> I mean, there's people here who have experienced greater sufferings than you would know. Like, uh, I mean, we need to remember that people maybe have some sufferings that they don't just go like, say, hey, I've suffered, I've suffered, I got a t-shirt. Um, they, they, um, they have these things that are, that are there. The person you're talking to, their, their child may have cancer and you don't even know about it. Um, so, but still, I've met a lot of people who've suffered. But this really is near the top of the, of the level of suffering. This is a lot of suffering. And yet he says we glory in our sufferings. So he's worth listening to. Let me give you a modern example. Someone else who kind of, extro- not as extreme as the Apostle Paul, uh, mind you, but, some, but pretty extreme. His name is, is Yoon, or called often Brother Yoon, who was uh, basically a church leader in China. And uh, in his book, The Heavenly Man, which is also, which is a really great book, he describes his sufferings at the hand of his government in China. Running from authorities with basically only pants on and having to hide in the middle of winter under a bush for hours and hours in the midst of the freezing cold. Placed in prison, beaten, had his legs broken, uh, put in a little box where he had to stay for days where he could not stretch or move. Um, He went through a lot. But what he said is like, the Lord gave me strength through the midst of it. And he even used it to strengthen me in ways that I never would have thought. He saw God lead him through it. He saw that God's grace was sufficient. And, and, and many of his fellow Christians experience, have experienced things like that. And what they conceived out of that was, was that, you know, God is giving us all this strength. And he's there for us. And we've already experienced it. So, you know what we should do? We should go to all the countries to the east of us, west of us, um, that really have very little testimony for Christ whose governments are often very hostile to people actually sharing the gospel, because what are they going to do that's worse than what our own government has done to us? So he said, we're uniquely equipped to do that. And so that's their vision. So these are people who say you can glory in your sufferings, people who have really experienced it at a deep level. Now, why is it that we should rejoice in our sufferings? Well, the bottom line is that suffering is not because... We like suffering in and of itself. It's not like, man, I really enjoy the experience of, of going without food or I really enjoy the experience of being beaten or having, being stoned or put in prison. It's like, that's really where I want to be. Not be, in and of itself, but because of what it results. And the th- amazing thing is, he says that suffering actually brings about hope. That's the reason. So this is the reason why I rejoice in sufferings, but it brings about hope. That's probably not what you'd expect, but this is what he says. So I'm going to explain where his reasoning is. So first of all, he says that suffering, we glory in sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Verse 3. Now, perseverance, this word here can be translated in a variety of ways. So when you read, one, one of the things is, especially in the letters of Paul, or like, you know, uh, these kind of really heavily packed words that are very technical, uh, sometimes... It's good to read a variety of translations because that'll help you give give you the sense of what the word, the variety of meanings that the word can have. So, um, and e- each word kind of has like a range of meaning, uh, and rarely does it exactly overlap between one language and another. 
So sometimes it does, but, but sometimes there's like a, a different, slightly different range. So if we use perseverance, it may have a slightly different meaning. And uh, so this, this word that captures a lot of things that ours wouldn't capture. So it can mean both patience and perseverance. So the distinction would be pers- pers- patience is the ability basically to, to suffer things, suffer, suffer, to experience suffering without falling apart, to just keep going and not lashing out. Perseverance is the ability to keep doing good even when there are obstacles. And so this word can be used for both, and I think both are kind of in, in mind, that we say, it doesn't matter what's happened to me, I'm going to keep doing what God has called me to do, and indeed, I'm not going to get all upset about it, and I'm going to submit to it. Now, suffering has a way of naturally producing this sort of patience or perseverance. So, and sometimes suffering is self-induced, and not in a bad way. So I would say, like, there's a certain sense in which running a marathon... Um, produces a certain type of suffering. So I've not run one myself, but I just have read about it. Um, this is all I'm going to do. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, you think about someone who ran a marathon last week. And you say, hey, uh, you want to go out and run three miles with me? And I'll be like, that's almost pathetic, you know. It's like no big deal. Now, take someone who, who ran in high school and hasn't run in the past... 40 years, and, you, and he's now 60 years old, and you say, hey, you want to go out and run three miles? I'm like, no way, I'm not doing that. So like the experience of the, of the hard thing makes the, the lesser hard things easier, depending on how you've experienced it. So that's what, um, that's what happens. The person, that when the recruit who comes into the military sees blood in a battle, you know, it's like a very hard thing, but the person who's the veteran who's been in battle after battle is able to recognize that's just part of the process. So an interesting experience of this, too, is um, I, one of the things that I like to do is I like to go, to, I like to go visit other churches. Um, I like to just see what they're doing. I also like just to sit there and be part of the service rather than leading it. And uh, there's a couple of uh, Hispanic churches that I visit from time to time here. And I remember one, one night I planned to go to church, and, um, and um, they... It, there was a light dusting of snow. It was like services at 7 o'clock. There's a light dusting of snow. So my, based on my experience here, the immediate question was, are they going to cancel church? Um, because that's what churches often do here. And uh, so I looked on their Facebook. I looked on their website. Nothing about that. And I kind of thought, you know, these are immigrants. Some of them probably walked through Mexico to get here. Um, I don't think they're going to be discouraged from going to church by a little bit of snow. <laughs> and sure enough, I was right. I don't think it even entered their mind that they would have, that they would have canceled church. It was like not even there. It's like sir, having these ex- different types of experience that are difficult kind of makes you think about what we call hardships a little bit differently. That's how it naturally produces patience and perseverance. So, um, but we also recognize that it doesn't always produce patience and perseverance. What can happen is sometimes suffering produces bitterness, anxiety, and depression. So it's not just the, the experience in and of itself. It's what we do with that experience that matters. Now, um, I hope that none of you are... For some reason, the picture 
of being put in a tiny box for days on end just is like horrible for me. Um, and, and a lot, maybe than a lot of other sufferings. I don't, I don't know because I often get uncomfortable just like sitting around. I'm like, I mean, I want to move, you know? And so like, I just can't even imagine. I hope that none of you experience that. But you know, so one of the things we don't want to do is like wait until this extreme suffering to train, uh, to see this. What I, what I um, recommend with to you is to learn patience and perseverance. Start with the little suffering that sometimes can barely even be called suffering, but the little suffering that we experience, such as having to wait a long time in a restaurant, um, not getting the right food at your restaurant, um, traffic not being the way you'd like it to be, um, having a day that's busier than you would like, having things be inconvenient. When you start to go fix uh, something in your house, you realize your drill is broken. Um, when you miss deadlines or other people miss deadlines that are important to you. Instead of just looking at those things as just bad things to get mad at, why not look at those things as opportunities to grow in patience and perseverance? To just be able to endure and accept reality that is brought to you and say it is what it is and I'm going to move forward with it. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to lash out. I'm not going to get upset. But I'm going to keep doing good. And I'll adjust. That's what this passage is about. That's what it's saying even with the big things. But why not start with the little things that you're going to experience probably the moment you start to turn out onto the parkway. These are all an opportunity to learn patience. And one thing you need to see is that the strength you get from patience is more important than things working out right. Who we are matters more than anything working out right that we are going to experience today. Who, character, it's our character that matters more. Character matters more than knowing how I'm going to pay for every bill for the next month. Character matters more than my food turning out just right. Character matters more than having to wait for two hours to deal with my insurance. Character matters more than traffic delays. Character matters more than my comfort. Character is more important than any good I think I'm going to get but lose. So we need to change our perspective. We see suffering as something coming from God to train us and change us and turn us into the glory of God rather than as something that's simply against us. This is true in the big things and it's true in the small things. On the other side, what we see is actually if everything runs smoothly, we get everything we want, we don't have any of the problems that we, want to experience, that we don't want. It actually can be a curse because we never get trained. It can be unhelpful. Why? Because we miss the opportunity to become better people, to become stronger people, to have greater character. And you can see this like um, uh, basically, uh, you know, every story of every hero starts with some big problem. They've got to walk through the valley before they get to the mountain. And so, you know, you don't have a story of a hero who's like, he sat on the couch eating popcorn and watching soap operas, and then all of a sudden, he just did something great. He's got to be brought through the ringer. Uh, You think about the story of the great generals of history. They had to have the opportunity of the war for that to come out. And you see that that's what it is with us. We've got to have some sort of challenge in order to become what we're called to be. That's what God is doing with us. So that's what he says is 
suffering produces perseverance. That's why we say we look, we look to the future, and in a sense, we could say, we've got challenges coming, and we're looking forward to that. Because they're also going to, the, the perseverance is going to produce the, what it says, character. Uh, perseverance produces character. Now, this word character is, is also a very broad word. So this, this is a very broad word that indicates like a sort of testing. It's used for when metal is refined to make sure it's pure. So you think you got something that's gold. You think it's like 90% gold. So you might put it in the fire to test it. And then you might say, well, now what I've got out is 100% gold. Then you may add the 10% back to give it greater stability and so on. But that's what happens. It's the metal that's come through. It's been tested through the fire. And that's what going through suffering with patient does. It makes us tested. It builds our character. And how does it do this? It does it in two ways. One, it shows God's faithfulness. Because we see that God will actually bring us through these things. And so then we have, we say, hey, I might have been like freaking out big time over the fact that I couldn't pay my bill next month, but then God provided, and now I know that he's going to do that, so I have more confidence in the future. But it also shows ourselves and what God is doing in us. Because we say, yeah, you know, um, I, was, I, was, uh, I went through this. I stumbled. My teeth rattled from the, from the blows. But I did keep going, and I kept trusting, and I was able to, to make it through trusting in God. God is doing something in me. I see it, and I know that he who began a good work is going to carry it on to completion. He's changing me into the glory of God. Example of this from a young man. He, he had a job, and then he lost that job. And they had kind of a pause uh, in between the two jobs. And he didn't know how he was going to provide for his, his young family. And he had not experienced something like that before. And it, it actually kind of drove him crazy. And so he was so overwhelmed that he actually took anxiety medication just to give him like some stability so he could process it because it was so out of control. But then I saw this person a couple, a couple years later experience something similar where the, the thing that they thought they had was, that did not work out. And uh, he was, it was kind of actually maybe worse. But then the next time, he met it with greater peace. Why? Because he had seen what God had done and he'd had opportunity to reflect that, yeah, God did provide for me, even though I wasn't sure if he was going to. And he saw it, and that had built up his faith. And then the next challenge came, and he was able to trust. And that's why this testing produces hope. Because what it tells us is God will provide in the future. He'll take care of us. But it also tells us he is transforming us into that glory. When we see that the suffering brings us out as stronger people, better able to endure, better able to trust, then we have that confidence of what God is going to do. And so... That's the hope that we have. It's we see that God is working in us what our, our call to worship called an eternal weight of glory. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly are we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's the hope that we'll see. We'll see God when he says he's going to take care of us, and when he's going to make us into what we're called to be. Now, how does all this happen? In the last section, I'm just going to hit on very briefly. It says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And there we see that, that what's happening is this whole process of change, but also of what happens in our, of what happens in our hearts, is, is showing us what God is doing, and it's because of what God is doing. It shows us God's work. So what it means is that we're not, de- we're not dependent on getting there ourselves. It's something that God is doing in us and for us that is leading us in the right direction. It says that God has poured this into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And what we see is that not only the change and the transformation is taking place is of the Holy Spirit, but also the awareness of what God is doing comes from the Holy Spirit. And so all the gifts of our Christian life, our faith, our hope, our love, are from Him, and we have this power. But what that also does is gives us confidence that in the midst of our suffering, we're not left to our own devices. And sometimes we don't know, how would I bear um, being in a box for four days? Could I actually endure it? Well, you know, I look at myself right now, I might say, I don't know. But what I do see is that I don't have to look at me being in that box by myself. The Holy Spirit will be there with me just as he was with Brother Yoon and will give me the strength and will use it to transform me into the glory of God. That's the confidence we can have because of what is stated here. So let me just conclude by just saying, here's what I want you to take away from this. Our society, we have an interesting society where in many ways, like the, the things that, that, drove, that drove our ancestors to, to, uh, to prayer, to despair, the challenges that they faced um, are significantly reduced or eliminated. Like the, the finding of food. You know, you just didn't know if you're going to have food in the winter. Uh, you had a child. You didn't know if that child was going to survive. And, and, you know, you read the, the stories of the past. There, lots of their children just die. In the first year, it's just like part of life. Um, infant mortality has been dramatically reduced. We have food in abundance. Um, you know, we have, we have an industrial might that enables us to solve all sorts of problems with, with amazing technology that, that would have just left people perplexed in the past. And so it's easy for us to think, well, we should just be able to push a button in the factory and we solve all our problems. And that's how we get used to think of it. And so when we, hit, when we encounter suffering, we're actually kind of flabby and weak. And we're not used to dealing with it or we think we should just be able to hit a button and get rid of it. But what I want to, I want to tell you is that, that we shouldn't simply say in regards to suffering. We can't, first of all, we can't do that. Like, you're going to suffer. Even if, you, even if you have everything you need materially, our suffering is, comes from other sources. And uh, there's the existential problems of death, meaning, and security, and so on, and the things that you have, you could lose. So that's, we're not getting away from that. Um, nobody's going to be ever, people aren't going to be the exact way you want. Um, and people aren't going to be there for you. You're gonna, you have to deal with loneliness. All those things are there. So there's the, the existential challenges. But then there's the little things, too, that everything's inconvenient. You know, it's like the fact that we can have a factory that produces a drill doesn't mean my drill will work when I need it. So what do we do with that? Well, what we see is like life is not going to be exactly how we want. And that's actually okay. That we say like God is going to use that to give us an opportunity to get stronger. And indeed, we want to put ourselves even into things that are challenging that are actually going to cause suffering in some ways 
Not because we're seeking out suffering, but because we're seeking out good things like the Apostle Paul did when he went all over the world preaching the gospel. And we're going to find that we face opposition and difficulties and heartache. But that's not all bad. That the sufferings we have, the difficulties we face are not all bad. Indeed, there's something that can actually be really good. Because they're the opportunity to test where we are. To see and build and develop the character that God wants to build in us. And in that way, we can actually say, hey, we have a future. And when we look forward, we're facing a bunch of challenges. And that's good because it's going to build our character, which is going to give us hope, which is going to make us more like God. And so we can rejoice at becoming a person who looks at suffering and keeps going, trusting in God with patience, love, and fortitude is a far greater treasure than the things that we have lost. That is a transformation into the glory of God. This is the glory that is being revealed in us and will be revealed in us. So let's lean into it and receive what God has for us, even when it's hard. And God will use it and will turn it into an eternal weight of glory. Amen.